Yeah. Well, welcome Sienna, Cypress downtown, Loop Campus, Digital Family as well. Today is First Baptist Academy Day here at the church at the Loop Campus. And so I thought with it being FBA Day, and I'm repping the brand here, I got it going on, that it would be a good time for us to continue in our Good Question series. So class, you have asked me some good questions, and you've submitted them, and I've tried to put them all together a little bit for you. Now I've got, there's tons more, but we're going to try to hit a few uh, today day as we go along. So get ready because we're going to jump in. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to answer a few questions. Then we're going to jump into Romans chapter 10 and we're going to learn a lot today. So get ready to learn some things and pull out your listening guide as well. So let's go with the first good question that we have here. And is this, should Christians be cremated? Should Christians be cremated? Interesting question. The majority of people, slight majority in the United States now are actually being cremated because of the increase of cost of funeral costs. So that's interesting. They expect it to grow. We have in the Old Testament, there's about three to five instances of cremation in the Old Testament. Now, Christian history and biblical history generally favors burial a typical burial. You're going to see a lot more of that here in the Bible than you are of cremation. But there's nothing in the Bible that forbids cremation, okay? So it's really up to you. It's not a sin. It's up to you. You do what you want to do. That's your deal. Or maybe it's not your deal. It's whoever is making your plans for you to deal. (laughs) So tell them at lunch what you want to do, all right? Now, what I would say is this, we want to make sure that we always treat that person with the utmost dignity, okay? We believe that the soul is gone and is in heaven with the Lord, but we always want to treat that person with the utmost dignity. That is not a flippant thing for us to do to care for. Question two, do miscarried, aborted, or stillborn babies go to heaven? Absolutely is the answer. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting because you've had many questions about death, okay? And so here's one of them here, absolutely. Um, When you think about this, you could think about it like this. In the scriptures, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, you know the story of David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba gets pregnant. She has a baby with David. He lives seven days. The baby lives seven days. And David is fasting and praying and asking for the baby to be able to live. They know that the baby is not strong enough to live and he's praying for a miracle. And we get to 2 Samuel chapter 2. Verse 23, uh, verse 22, it says, while the baby was alive, I fasted and wept because I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let him live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Now listen, key. I'll go to him, but he'll never return to me. Okay. So David is saying, when I get to heaven, I'll go to him. He won't return to me. Now, this cross right here that I have, I brought this from our, our home this morning. Um, this is in our study, in my study at our home. This cross symbolizes my wife and I's miscarriage that we had. Our children are six years apart. In between that time, we had a miscarriage. And we had this as just a, an honoring. And it really baffles my mind that at some point, I'll step into heaven and somebody will say, Dad, to me. And I'll meet that little boy or that little girl. And that's a great thing. So if you've gone through that, I want you to know, we've cried those tears. We've cried those tears. And so, yes, a miscarried or aborted or a stillborn baby, yes, they go to heaven and they are with the Lord right now. And you can take great, great trust in that. Number three, a little bit lighter on the death quotient. Will there be animals in heaven? All right. Will there be animals in heaven? I have changed my view on this. 
I used to say no, and then I got so many emails, I just said, let's just go for yes, why not? <laughs> I mean, who's gonna know? When we get there, you're gonna find me and tell me I'm wrong? So, I mean, you know, so let's just go with yes, all right? But I do have a few Bible things that can back up the yes. One is in Genesis chapter one. Creation is ramping up. We're getting more and more importance in creation. Day six is when human beings are created. Day five is when animals are created, okay? So there's an importance we have in the story of Noah in Genesis chapter six and chapter seven, that then animals came into the ark. And so we have that. So that's a great story as well. We have in the Old Testament talking about animals in heaven, in the new world. It says this, in the new heaven, new earth, uh, Isaiah 65 and Isaiah chapter 11 talk about different animals that will be there, okay? In Romans chapter eight, it talks about that creation will be redeemed, right? Now, let me say it real quickly though. There will be a new creation in heaven but that does not mean that a tree has accepted Jesus Christ as their savior, okay? Or a river or an animal. We are the only, as human beings, we are the only ones that have been created in the image of God, okay? You have a soul, I have a soul. Your puppy doesn't have a soul, okay? It's not gonna trust in Jesus as savior. But there will be animals in heaven because of the redemption of creation, not the salvation of a soul. Now, let me say why that's really important because there is a different difference between human beings and animals. Evolutionary thought has blurred the line. And I'm just telling you right now, you're not a monkey, you're not a dog, you're not a parakeet, you're not a descended from a pink flamingo, you're not, none of that. You are created in the image of God as a human being and Jesus sent his one and only son to save your soul, right? And so there's a difference and that's why if you were driving by and you were an atheist and you were driving down the street and you saw a dead animal on the side of the road, you would keep your appointment, keep going. If you saw a dead human on the side of the road, you'd slam on the brakes and call 911 because you know there's something different about a human. Now, because we don't talk about animals going to heaven much, so let me take my opportunity while I got it. There's some churches that, I don't know if you've seen this, it's, it's around, they baptize animals. They'll have a dog baptism day, okay? I know, I get you, I'm with you. It's cute at best, and it's wrong at worst. It's wrong. It's not biblical, okay? There's two ordinances that Jesus has left us. One is the Lord's Supper. One is baptism, and baptism's not for Fifi, okay? Because Fifi hasn't trusted Jesus Christ. This is not a symbolic representation of the burial. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 4, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. That's not for our pets, okay? So don't do that. That's not wrong. Or that is wrong, is what I should say. <laughs> Wrong, don't do that, okay? Now the last reason, most compelling reason, let me show you a picture. That's my dog right there. That's Latte, we call him Latte Mate. Do you get it? Do you get the joke? He's gotta be there, right? I mean, he's just gotta be there. God knows that heaven's gonna be wonderful and it takes your dog to make it wonderful. God's so gracious, he'll be right there. Now what happens with your neighbor's dog who's barking this morning waking you up? I don't know, okay? But yes, animals will be in heaven. If you disagree, no big deal. You do whatever you want to do. You, you get up here and say you disagree and you'll get all the emails. That'll be what happens. <laughs> all right, let's go on. We got two more questions. These are gonna go really, really fast. What's the church's role in government? Come back on March 26th and I will teach you Romans chapter 13 when it talks about God's, 
God's government and God's role in government and the Christian's role in government. March 26, come back for that question. Last question based on an illustration last week. How is your mom doing with her new TV? That was submitted numerous times. Now the box is out and it doesn't totally work, but that's all on the cable company. She's assured me I did a good job, which is awesome to be able to hear. So those are our good questions for the day, class. Let's pray together and let's jump into Romans chapter 10. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And as we jump into Romans chapter 10, a meaty, weighty passage of scripture, let us have our, our minds ready, our hearts ready to be able to understand and see what it is that you want to do in this passage of Scripture. And we pray that you would speak to our hearts, teach us as well, let us understand our Bibles more than when we came in here, and let us just enjoy this time with you, Lord. Thank you for heaven. Thank you for heaven, and that we can be there through faith in Jesus Christ as humans that have trusted in the blood in the body, in the resurrection of Christ by grace in Jesus. And we thank you for that. We love you. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Romans chapter 10. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn there to Romans chapter 10. Grab your listening guide as well. I think you're going to learn some things along the way. I've sure learned in my preparation. Last week, we asked the question, how do I get saved? What do I do to be saved? And basically, we'll see it in the very first verse. We're going to go over it again that we ended with last week. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what do you do? You call upon Jesus. You believe that he's the Savior. You ask him to forgive your sins and wash you clean. And he comes in your heart. And that's how you are saved. And then the next section that we're going to talk about is how does God get the gospel to the world? That's what he's going to ask the question here. How does that good news that we have get to the world? Now, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to have two rails if you think about a train track. One rail is going to be a biblical history rail, okay? We're going to talk about Israel, and we're going to talk about Gentiles. That means non-Jewish people. That's most of us, non-Jewish people. Then I'm going to talk about as well personal application of you and I taking the gospel to the world. You have a sphere of influence. You have a place where you work, where you live, where you go to school. And to let you be the light of, the, of Christ, taking the good news to the world. So here's the first rail. Now, Romans 9 through 11 is a difficult three chapters of Scripture. We're going all the way through Romans, and we've gotten to this Romans 9 through 11. Why is it difficult? What's difficult because it talks about primarily Israel, but we often come primarily as an individual. So we're looking at it for us, and God's saying, well, yeah, there's some us in there, no doubt, but it's primarily for Israel. Now, let me show you that. If you've got your Bible in your lap, I just want you to look at Romans 9 through 11, at the headings over each of the little paragraphs, the sections. Just flip through Romans 9 through 11 and look at how many times you see the word Israel. Those aren't written by God. Those aren't biblically inspired words. That's just commentators helping us understand what's next. I counted in my Bible from Romans 9 to 11, there were nine headings, nine headings, and six of them mentioned Israel, okay? Nine headings, and six of them mentioned Israel. Not only that, when you look through this, we're going to see, if you look in Romans chapter 10, Verse 13 and following, look at that last section of Romans, last half of Romans. Look in your Bible and see how many of those verses are either bold face, all caps, or italic, which means they're Old Testament verses, okay? So Romans 9 is about the sovereignty of God and Israel's past. 
Romans 10 is about human responsibility in Israel's present. Romans 11 is about worshiping God and Israel's future. They all go together because it puts together this whosoever and chosen at the same time. So how do we get the plan of the gospel to the world? Here's what you're going to see. I'm going to, a little spoiler alert, here's the whole message. God gives the gospel to the Jewish people. They reject the gospel, so he gives it to the Gentile people who then take it to the world. That's the whole message right there, okay? Now let's look and ask our first question. Let me ask our first question, give you our first answer, and then we're going to read the scripture. Here's what it says. Our first question is this, how will people hear the good news? Good question, isn't it? This is good news. How are we going to get this? Is it just, hey, uh, Instagram account, we're going to get it out there. No, how are we going to get the good news out? That's the first question. Here's the answer. God has sent his people to take the gospel to the world. God has sent his people, that's me and that's you, if you're a believer in Jesus, to take the gospel to the world, your workplace, around the world, to your school, to your business, to wherever it is, your neighborhood, that's where he takes it. Now, let's look at verse 13, and we're gonna read 13 through 15, asking this question. How's the gospel gonna get to the world? For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's actually Joel chapter two, verse 32. Verse 14, right under Israel's rejection of the message is what my Bible says. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, this is Isaiah 52 verse 7, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul gives us some reasoning of how the gospel is going to go. And he does it in kind of a backwards fashion there of those questions in verse 14 uh, and 15. So here's what he does. He says, uh, people have not been called because they've not believed. People have not believed because they have not heard. People have not heard because they haven't been shared with. They haven't been shared with because nobody's been sent. So where he gets to is the beginning place is the sending. Do you see it? We got to send missionaries out. We got to send people out. And as, they, as they're sent, they share. And as they share, the people hear. And as the people hear, they believe. And as they believe, they call out on the name of the Lord. Get back to verse 13. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you see it? So Paul's giving this great plan and kind of a reverse thought, a great plan of how the message of the good news of Christ is going to make it to the world. He's going to send us And he's going to send the message through us so that people can believe in Jesus. Now, here's the deal. We are all over the world helping missionaries, but we're all over Houston as well. You know, I know that because everywhere we go, somebody goes, Pastor Craig. And they always have this shock on on their face, like when you see your teacher at the grocery store, you know, and you're like, you're a real person. I can't believe this. And then little kids are like, it's like Barney came out of the TV when I go, hi, how are you? Ah, you know, or they come and hug me. But it's like, they've seen me on the screen so much. They don't know what's going on here. He's a real person. So we see it all over the city. It's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. Our people are everywhere. God's placed you in different places. Just this past week, uh, my wife and I went to visit somebody in the hospital. We went down to the medical center. We headed down to Methodist Hospital. We, we got there and we had our little sheet of paper of what room uh, this person was in. And we started walking. And as we're walking to the elevator, you know, it's, it's a lot of, it can get confusing down there. And so this lady comes up to us and says, Pastor Greg, Kelly, what are you doing here? So what, we're visiting somebody in the hospital? And what, 
where are you going? And I showed her the place and she was so sweet. She took us right to the elevator, took us, walked us to the door of the room of the hospital, uh, a room of the person we were gonna visit there. And so we said, thank you so much. And we stepped into the room and said hello to the person that was there in the room. Then we said, well, now after we're leaving the medical center, we're kind of hungry. Let's eat at Rice Village. And so we went to Rice Village and got a little restaurant there. But before that, we went into a store. We walked into the store. We walked into the store and this guy comes and goes, Pastor Greg. This other guy, Pastor Greg, what can we help you with? And I said, show her the sale rack, (laughs) the sale rack. And we joked a little bit and had a good time. And then we went to eat and on it went. Everywhere we go, there's, our people are everywhere. You're, you're, you're working in a business. You're working in an office. You're going to school. You're in a place all over the city, not just our church, but the churches of Houston for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. How amazing. So that people can call out to him. Do you know that in the Bible, you never find one single time a repentant sinner calls out on God and he's refused. Never once. And so... We share so that they could call out on the Lord. It says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Isn't that an interesting thing to call beautiful? I mean, do you feel like your feet are really beautiful? I mean, is that something you like? My feet, those are the ones. That's it. If I could just say, hey, how are y'all? Coming into a room. No. They were considered unclean in, in Jewish culture. So when the Jewish folks would hear this, they were like, what? The feet? could have said how beautiful are the eyes, how beautiful are the lips, how beautiful is the countenance, ladies, how beautiful the hair is that brings good news, right? All these things, but he says, how beautiful are the feet? Why? Because the feet are the ones that make the distance. They do the traveling. They get us from point A to point B. And God wants to show that he can take the unclean to make clean, to be able to be a tool of the gospel of Jesus. God can take your misery and make it your ministry. And he can use you in a great, great way. So we want to be used by God. Not just here in Houston, we want to be sent by God around the world. Can I just get us all campuses, digital family as well? I'd love for you to just give a cheer for this. We're going on, in 2023, 30 mission trips this year as a church. Can we cheer for that? Wow. 30 mission trips. Now, it doesn't work out perfectly like this, but that's as if we went on a mission trip every other week of the year. How cool is that? So we want to give you information about that. We want you to go on it. We've said before, you're either praying, giving, going, or disobeying when it comes to missions. So if you can't go, pray for it. Give, go, whatever it is, but don't be the disobedient. So the hands, or excuse me, the feet are the beautiful feet that go out. Now, this is really interesting. Let me give you a little biblical history here. That's Isaiah 52, verse 7. It's talking about the people of God, the Jewish people, coming out of Babylonian captivity. So to those that are captive, he gives good news. If you were to look further on, you would find that Isaiah 52 verse 7 talks about the, um, and through verse 10 talks about the future. To in the future, all the nations will be gathered around the throne. How amazing is that? And even in the present, Matthew chapter 28, go therefore into all the world, teaching the gospel that I've taught you, baptizing and teaching. Go in the name of the Lord, for I will be with you always. It's the great commission so the, to the captive, to the present and to the future. God is right there in an amazing way. Let me give you just a missionary story if I can. His name was William Carey. They call him the father of modern missions. I want to show you his picture here. Just a a good old man there. There's William Carey. William Carey had on his heart that he was going to go to Asia, specifically India in the late 1700s. He went to India 
And before he went, he was telling his church about it. And this one missions guy, director of a missions agency, he said this. He said, going to India, the mission to India seemed like a few men who considered going to, into a deep, unexplored mine. Missions to India seemed like a few men going to a deep, unexplored mine. And William Carey said this, yes, but will you hold the rope for us? Isn't that great? Won't you hold the rope for us? And I just tell you, church, we are a church that holds the rope for missionaries. We support them. We pray for them. We don't forget about them. We celebrate them. We do everything that we can. We have in our church what we call missionary care. That we care for missionaries that come back. We care for missionaries that are on the field. Right now, we have thousands of missionaries that we help through the International Mission Board. But we have 116 that we care for individually, primarily through life Bible studies. So I ask you a question. Does your life Bible study have a missionary that you are caring for in your life Bible study? I Meaning you're writing them letters, you're praying for them, you're letting them know how much you appreciate them. If not, we'd love to connect you with that and make a difference of that. They are so important. Will we hold the rope? Will we hold the rope? See, what's happening here is practically we've got to send the gospel with what we do and through missions through all of the world by holding the rope and being also the ones that are sharing. Now, the biblical history here, here's what's happening. God has given Jesus Christ to the Jewish people. He's a Jewish savior, prophesied all throughout the Old Testament waiting all throughout the Old Testament for this Savior to come. But they rejected him, okay? And so he says, because of that rejection, I'm not gonna let my good news stop there. I'm gonna let it go to the Gentiles. And the Jewish people, that was like mind-blown moment. What? The Gentiles are gonna take God's message? I'll give you an example. Acts chapter 22, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you, just a little section. Paul's giving his testimony before what's called the Jerusalem mob. So he's right there and he's talking about his, his testimony of coming to Christ and that he was a Jew and Jesus changed his life. And he says this in verse 21, and he, meaning God, said to me on the road to Damascus, go because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So Paul says, God's gonna send me to the Gentiles. What will the Jewish response be? You ready? They listened to him up until this point. Then they raised their voice shouting, wipe this man off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. Now you said something wrong at that moment, right? When they say they're gonna wipe you off the face of the earth, you should not be allowed to live. What did he say? The gospel would go forth through the Gentiles and they couldn't figure that out. Well, how could they not figure that out? Did you see how much Old Testament I'm already reading you? How much prediction was already there? Well, they had gotten into self-righteousness instead of God sending his savior. They began to cherry pick verses. Well, how does that happen? We do the exact same thing in today's Christianity. What kind of, some of us are making stuff up. We're gonna baptize Fifi. We just cherry pick all this stuff. Let me tell you, through the Old Testament, God is sending a savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And then he comes and he radically changes the world. And so that we can trust him as savior and in trusting him as savior, now we get the privilege and honor to share the good news in our workplaces, in our schools, with a winsome spirit, with a careful heart, all of those sort of things. And Jesus says, or actually Isaiah says, and how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I ask you, how will you hold the rope? Will you hold the rope? 
How will you hold the rope to care for those that are sharing and to care for even your own heart as you go out and share? Now, let me give us our next question, our second question out of three questions. Here's what it is. I'm going to give it to you. Then we're going to look at the scripture. How do I respond when people reject the gospel? How do I respond when people reject the gospel? I don't know if you've noticed, but people reject the gospel. You go step in the middle of Jerusalem right there and say, I want to preach to you about Jesus Christ. And it's probably not going to be well received. Middle of your office, maybe, and probably not going to be well received. How do you respond when, you re- when somebody rejects the gospel? Here's what we do. We focus on faithfulness, not failure. We focus on faithfulness, not failure. God has given us a task, a job to share the gospel with people. So we're going to focus on our faithfulness and we're going to let God do his work. It's said statistically that it takes a person seven times to hear the gospel before they clearly understand it and they can respond to Christ. What if you're number three? We still share? Well, three is just as necessary because we need three to turn into four and four to turn into five. And if we quit on number one, then how are we going to get to number seven? It doesn't always happen like that. I'm just telling you statistically. And so to be able to be faithful in that, look at verse 16. Here's what it says. But not all obeyed the gospel. That's what I'm talking about. For Isaiah says, remember this is talking about Israel, the Lord, Lord, who has believed our message. That is the beginning verse of Isaiah 53. Do you know Isaiah 53? I'm going to tell you about it in just a second. So faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. But I asked, did they not, did they not hear? Yes, they did. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the earth or ends of the world. So here's what it says. God has sent messengers to his Jewish people and they are without excuse is what he's saying. He's saying, well, they rejected the gospel. And then Isaiah asked this question, Lord, who has believed our message? That's the beginning of Isaiah 53. Follow me. This is key. Isaiah 53 is about the suffering servant. Read that later today. Turn to Isaiah 53 and read that later day, and you will read Jesus all throughout Isaiah 53. A lot of rabbis are afraid to preach it because it's just Jesus. And so Jesus, 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 Jesus. So he says here, Paul says, has no one received our word? Suffering servant right here. Jesus all throughout this whole thing declaring this is exactly who he is. Not only that, then they say uh, further on in Psalm uh, 19, and it's verse 18 in our, uh, right here, Romans 10, 18, is quoting Psalm 19. Did they not hear? Yes, they did. Their voice has gone out over the whole earth. What is Psalm 19? Psalm 19 is the great, great passage on what's called general revelation. It's that God has put the sun and the moon and the stars and creation all around so that man can go, there is a God. And I need a relationship with him. My totem pole, my false idol was made out of silver or gold or wood from the earth. That's not, I got, who, who put that in the earth? There's got to be a creator God. You remember Romans chapter one, verse 20. For he spoke to them, he, he showed them with all of creation so they would be without excuse. But then it says later, they rejected their creator. So when you look at a sunrise or a sunset, it's gonna be really hard to go, wow, evolution's cool. You feel an ache in your soul. You grieve a miscarriage. It's going to be hard to say that's just a mass of tissue. It's no different than the dog that died when I was a kid. You'll feel it. 
Because there is a general revelation that through creation, God is saying loud and clear, there's something bigger than you. hundred years, all new people. You and I aren't here. And that's happened billions of times. God is bigger. So they say right here, not only has Isaiah declared it, creation has declared it. And that is amazing. So you be faithful even if someone rejects the gospel. You just be faithful. You just trust. Remember our friend William Carey that we just talked about a minute ago? William Carey, let me tell you a little bit more of his story. He gave his life for the gospel. 40 years until his death, he gave his life and he faced depression and despair. His first wife died. His second wife died. He buried three of his own children. He lost most of his hair due to illness in his early 20s. He fought off disease. He did not see one person come to Jesus until the seventh year he was there. Not one person came to Christ until the seventh year he was on the mission field. But in 41 years, he saw 700 people come to Christ. And now in that area of India, 2.7 million people have come to Christ, or Christians right now. So do you see the faithfulness of this man and how God blossomed this and he just stayed faithful? And that's what we've got to do as well, to stay faithful because God is making it known and he's making it known through us now. Biblical rail, here we go. It was coming through the Jewish people. The Jewish people rejected it. So he said, I'm gonna share my gospel through the Gentiles and I'm gonna allow the people that aren't of Jewish descent to come into the fold and receive Christ. Let's see if it worked. Did it work? Supposed to go through the Jews. The Jews rejected Christ. He said, I'll take it through the Gentiles. The Gentiles will share it and I'll graft in the Gentiles. Let me ask you, let's see if it worked. If you're here today and you are not of Jewish descent, not of Jewish descent, and if you're not sure, you probably aren't of Jewish descent, okay? I think somebody would have told you at this point, okay? If you are not, all campuses doing this, digital family as well, if you're not of Jewish descent, let's see if the gospel made it to the Gentiles according to this plan. If you're not of Jewish descent, but you're a Gentile, a non-Jew, raise your hand. It's like everybody, right? If you are of Jewish descent, raise your hand. Good. We got a couple people, handful of folks. Yeah, awesome. Hey, I want you to know, as Jewish people, you are like the honored people of the room. We are like the visitors to the party. This has been in your lineage. You know why the rest of us are visitors to the party? Because my descendants and your descendants worship false gods and idols. We disdained the one true God And in his grace through his son, he said, I want to graft them in and take them in. Is that incredible? Do you feel gratitude in your heart? Nothing in my lineage has anything to do with Jehovah, but everything to do with false idols and gods. And yet the gospel came to me as a Christian. I can be a Christian. And you completed Jews that have come to Christ. Wow, what an honor. We think that's great. So it worked. Now, the last thing, and we'll hit it fast. Here's our third question. So how can I be more like Jesus in the world around me? If I'm supposed to be a light of the gospel, if I'm supposed to share Christ with people, as students, I want you to know this is the ripest time you'll ever have in your life in sharing Christ with your friends. If that's what it's to be, how can I be more like Jesus to the world around me? Okay, here it is. Here's the answer. 
hold out your hands. Hold out your hands, okay? We're going to see it in just a moment, verse 21. We're going to wrap up with that. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this with me physically, all campuses. I want you to hold out your hands, just like that. Everybody do that. Hold out your hands. What is that the sign of? That's like a parental thing, isn't it? Like a mom or a dad. Hey, it's for sure a grandparent thing. What's the first thing you do, grandparents, when they come up in the driveway? You get down on one knee and you go, hi, right? Parents, we're kind of going, what'd you do? That's more what we're doing, right? But we're also doing welcome. And so we're like, yes, it's a welcoming sign. What did Jesus do? Held out his hands, scarred hands on the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay, you put your hands down now. Now let's look at the scripture and let's see here in verse 20, or excuse me, verse 19. Now he's going to speak to the Jewish people. So if you're going to speak to the Jewish people about Israel, you probably should quote Moses and Isaiah. Did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, this is Deuteronomy 32, 1,500 years before, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. That's Gentiles. And I will make you angry by a nation that lacks understanding. That's non-Jewish people. Because we didn't have a book. We didn't have a Bible. We didn't understand. Verse 20, and Isaiah says boldly. So this is Isaiah 65, verse 21. I was found by those who were not looking for me. My lineage and most of your lineage, we were worshiping false gods. I revealed myself to those who were not asking for me. Here we go. Verse 21, but to Israel, Israel that he loves, Paul loves, we love, I love, you love, but to Israel, he says all day long. I don't just every once in a while, all day long, Isaiah 65, verse two, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. So Paul's saying, God's saying, I'm still holding out my hand saying, Jesus Christ is the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. He's the prophesied one born in Bethlehem, Micah 5, 2. He's the one that was crucified on the cross. Read Psalm 22 and see crucifixion 700 years before the Romans invented it. Jesus is the one and his nail-scarred hands are held out to you this day. And oh, if you as a Jew or a Gentile say, no, it's not God's fault. It's because of the disobedient and defiant that is there in that. So I tell you this and we'll wrap up. The gospel has come to us and we have the privilege to share the gospel with others. What a joy. Just shine the light. Let me give you three quick things in your listening guide. Number one, be compelled. Be compelled. Live a life of worship and devotion to God that fuels your heart for his mission. Number two, be equipped. Grow in your readiness to share the gospel. We can train you. We can help you. You just say verse 13 in Romans chapter 10. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let that be your, your thing and share it. Number three, be engaged. Share your faith. Talk to people. Take the good news where you go and be engaged as well. Let me wrap with this. Don't bet your life on anything but the blood of Jesus. Don't bet your life on anything but Jesus Christ prophesied from the Old Testament all throughout into the New Testament, into changing lives today. Don't bet your life on anything. Don't bet it on your smarts. Don't bet it on your good works. Don't bet it on your lineage. Don't bet it on your mama's faith, your daddy's faith, your grandpa's faith, your cousin's faith, your friend's faith. Don't bet it on your denomination. Don't bet it on anything 
But Jesus Christ is where we slide all the chips across the table and say, Jesus, it belongs to you. Now, let me tell you two good things about today. There's a lot of good things about today. Two good things about today. One good thing is that we're at church today. That's a good thing. We're learning the Bible. That's a great, wonderful thing. Can we just give a little cheer for that? Let's just cheer for church. Awesome. So good. Second good thing about today is, do you know how good of a football day this is going to be today? I mean, how good of a football day this is going to be. We're going to get two amazing games. It's going to be rainy outside. So there's no need to leave church until the last song has been sung. It's going to be rainy. We're going to sit on the couch. We're going to have been to church. And we're going to watch some great football. And man, you know, I hope that the Lord leads my wife who's in this room right now. I hope God leads her to bring me some chips and queso at that right moment. Man, I hope that maybe the Lord has a chocolate chip cookie deep in her heart that could be baked. Oh, if that spinach dip she does such a good job on with some Triscuit wafers could come out right about halftime. I hope God leads her to do that today. (laughs) That she senses the calling of God to do that. We'll see if it happens, but we're hoping and praying. The church has rallied together to see Kelly obedient to God. So it'll be a great football day and we'll crank up the fire, even if it's 80 degrees, doesn't matter in Houston. And we'll watch some good football. Well, these playoff games have been really good. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, the Chargers played the Jacksonville Jaguars? The Chargers went up and they were ahead by 27 points, 27 to zero. And this one man decided he was gonna place a bet on the Chargers to win. Now, the chances on the Chargers to win, if you place a bet, it was negative 12,500. That means this. I'm not a betting man. I did my research. Uh, they, they means this, that they, if you put $12,500 down, you'd win $100, okay? That the odds were negative 12,500, bet $12,500, you'll get $100. So this guy thought it was a Sherlock, and he put down $1.4 million on the Chargers, If he wins, he gets $11,200. So he risks $1.4 million to get $11,200, okay? It's a very unique Greek word, stupid, okay? That's what it is. It's defined as more money than brains is what it is. He bets $1.4 million to get $11,200. And if you know the rest of the story, the Jacksonville Jaguars came back in the second half and won in the last seconds, 31 to 30. And this gentleman lost $1.4 million to just try to get 11,000. And I'm telling you this, your life for eternity is worth more than 1.4 million. Don't bet your eternity on anybody but Jesus. Well, I read a book on evolution. You do some more study about Jesus. Well, I don't think that you do some more study about Jesus. Well, I met a Christian. He was, 
you don't, don't bet your life of eternity on anything but Jesus Christ. Born of a virgin, died, rose again, and his outstretched arms to you. My friend, that's the good news for Jew and Gentile, salvation in Christ. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you for men and women that are missionaries, for the William Careys of today. Lord, may they always feel like the people of Houston's first are holding the rope. We pray, God, that you would use us in our workplaces, our schools, our neighborhoods, moms in carpool lines, dads in carpool lines, all the sporting events we sit at with our kids as our kids' friends, parents become our friends. Let us share with everywhere we go the bright, great light. And we tell you, Jesus, we don't bet our lives, our eternity on anybody. As Timothy said, I know who I've entrusted my life to, and he is faithful. So we bet on you, God. We trust you. As we said last week, this is a time where we're going to pray. We're going to sing just a portion of a song even. And it's not time to leave. Don't head out. This is time to be respectful of other people. I tell you this, if you're here in this room and when I said the word miscarriage or abortion or stillborn, you, something happened in your heart. My wife and I have cried those miscarriage tears, we know. You come and let somebody pray for you with any of those. You come and join the church, anybody. Our arms are open as a church. Come give your life to Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you.